0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Punch It! This is episode 46. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is...
1: Tristan Riddell.
0: Tristan, how have you been?
1: I've been good. I've been busy. It's been crazy. It's been uh, baby and diaper and milk-filled, but it's been <laughs> golden and glorious at the same time. And uh, it's uh, uh, even though I am blissfully walking on a cloud because I'm in... Uh, a uh, fantastic marriage with a fantastic baby. I'm also walking in cloud nine because we have new Star Trek coming to us every single Sunday.
0: Yes. Doesn't that feel like just pure, blissful, heavenly, out of this world? <laughs> it's so exciting. I mean, every Sunday, I look forward to it. Sunday evenings, my husband and I, we sit down, we watch it, we cook some dinner, and it's this new ritual, and it's so exciting and I'm especially excited just because this is the first time my husband is watching a Star Trek series with me from the very start, and I'd I wager we're going to finish it. He's interested as much as I am, so that's really cool. Now, are you and the girl doing the same thing?
1: Uh, yes, we are doing the same thing. I was going to ask you if Patrick was a uh, Star Trek fan. I I'm- I guess I'm oh. not sure. Sure.
0: No, no, he's really not. I've introduced him to certain parts of Star Trek. He has begrudgingly watched a few of the movies. I've only shown him the good ones and a very select couple of episodes. But really, no, he's just not into it. So the fact that he's just even doing this with me means a lot. But I can tell that he's following it. He's into it. And so this is a cool new experience for us. How about for you?
1: Uh, Well, it's kind of the same story as you. As you know, uh, my wife, a.k.a. the girl, she is not a Star Trek fan, and she's never watched it live. She's never watched it from the beginning, and she begrudgingly watched a few episodes with me here and there. Uh, She's seen more (laughs) movies than Patrick because uh, we got into a groove where she went on a roll and started watching, I think, two all the way, like, Wrath of Khan all the way to First Contact, I think.
0: Wow. So she even watched five and kept going. (laughs)
1: No, she... Yeah, we skipped that one. We went from two to first contact, only skipping five.
0: That was really smart. She doesn't know how lucky she is.
1: I think so, because I love her. Yeah. (laughs) I love her dearly, and I respect her time. And uh, so we're watching this together. We get to, you know, what we... We uh, watch this episode, and then we record nerd nuptial, or we record nerd nuptial, then watch the episode. It kind of varies each week. And it's interesting because she is definitely not as into it as I am. Okay. So it sounds like you and Patrick are on equal footing. Uh, she is basically watching it just because she loves me. She was she was intrigued. I mean, she was she was looking forward to a new show because she's a big sci fi fan. Mm-hmm. But this this show does not have a je ne sais quad that uh, tickles her fancy, and it looks like with this most recent episode, episode four. And if you guys haven't seen it yet, please watch it because uh, as what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the writing of. Uh, actually, let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Like we're going to talk about the writing. Of Star Trek Discovery so far, like the first four episodes, uh, the basis of the show, how it's different from the previous ones, and we're also going to talk about some Punch-It administrative work moving forward. Yes. And uh, Shar, do you want to intro that?
0: Yeah, why don't we? Let's get right into it because we want to put out sort of a call to our listeners. Something we've been contemplating for a while now is we love Star Trek, clearly, And we often talk about Star Trek on this podcast, whether it's writing an episode, rewriting an episode, or just the excitement of Discovery when we were leading up to it, things like that. We have thought often about whether or not we should make Punch It exclusive to Star Trek, where we do things like just Star Trek stories, just Star Trek rewrites, cut out the other stuff, because honestly, we've not gone to that too much, with the exception maybe of Gilmore Girls. And... We kind of, I think, need to make our focus. We both feel like Star Trek is our wheelhouse. It is our strength. And so we want to know from our listeners, because we know that a lot of you followed us from To The Journey. What would you think about that? Are you cool with that? Do you like it when we veer off from Star Trek? Or would you rather that we solely focus on Star Trek? So you know the drill, guys. Contact us. Go to thenerdparty.com contact. Select punch it from the drop down menu, send us a message, and that goes to our inboxes. Or you can contact us on Twitter. My handle is oh the profanity. Tristan, where are you at?
1: You can find me at the insane Robin. Yeah, when we uh last year, when we started talking about what we were going to do, and when the nerd party was getting bigger, we were adopting new shows, we were creating new shows. And uh, you and I were finishing up to the journey. We asked ourselves, what do we want to do? Do we want to do another Star Trek show? Uh, Do we not? And the main reason why, like, we stopped to the journey on Trek FM, not because we don't like Star Trek, but because we wanted to explore other areas outside of Star Trek. We couldn't do that with a Voyager show. We couldn't right. talk about Gilmore Girls or Star Wars right. or you know House of Cards or anything like that on a exclusively a Star Trek show, especially on another network.
0: Yeah, we really wanted that freedom. And honestly, I thought we were going to use it a lot more than we have, but we haven't. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: I've, I feel like we've exercised it a lot more than what you're saying. I feel like we've... Because think- we've written... A three-part Star Wars movie.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: We've written a prequel story to House of Cards. We've done season-by-season overview of the writing analysis of Gilmore Girls. We just finished season five. So I feel like you're not giving us enough credit
0: Okay. On okay. branching out. Well, I think here's where I'm coming from is I feel like lately we are veering more and more towards Star Trek, where we started out and we thought, oh, we're going to do all these things. And so we did House of Cards. We did Bob's Burgers. We've done quite a few Mm -hmm. of our favorite shows, whether it was writing a story or doing season-by-season reviews of the writing, yada, yada. But I I guess maybe in the last couple, maybe to few months, I felt like we are doing Star Trek more almost like putting on a comfortable pair of shoes, where if all else fails, we know we can go to this. And frankly, you know what? We love it, and we're, we've got a lot of practice at it, so we got some skills.
1: It's funny because, you know, when we started this a year ago, we wanted to explore other avenues, but after doing this for a year, we're like, okay, well, what are we at our in our heart of hearts? I mean, what are we when we really boil down to what we love? And a big connection, the biggest connection besides our friendship between the two of us is that love of star trek not just star trek voyager but of star trek on a whole and so what we're thinking moving forward and what we're asking you to comment on because we're just thinking about it is we want to like because right now we have a it's punch it writing in pop culture and sometimes we dabble in star trek but what we're thinking of doing is rebranding the show calling it punch it writing in star trek and then sometimes we go outside of the realm of Star Trek just every once in a while.
0: Right. Make that a sparing part. So
1: it's basically the reverse. For those of you, because I know there's a lot of you who have been following us with our Gilmore Girls arc, no matter what we do, we're not abandoning that. That'll be one of those shows that is outside of the realm of Star Trek. It could be something like Punch It a, writing in Star Trek, and this is this would be like an away mission episode. Yeah. Like this is outside yeah. the ship.
0: When we've done five seasons, we have to finish I'm a completionist. Yeah. We've gone too far. Absolutely. (laughs) So we've definitely got to finish that up. But when it comes to the other stuff, we might not write any more Bob's Burgers or House of Cards. Like maybe we got that out of our system. And we want to know from you guys, you're our core audience. Many of you did come over from To The Journey. Maybe you want us to just do Star Trek. We would love to know where you all stand on it. And maybe that's going to help us weigh how we do this. But I think change is coming.
1: Yes, and that's the thing is that like you guys might think we're crazy. You might like the <laughs> variety. You like you might like it being mixed up, and you might like that it's Bob's Burgers, House of Cards, Star Wars, and everything else under the sun. And so let us know. Yeah. Like Char said, go to thenerdparty.com/slash/contact. So like punch it from the drop down menu, and you you know you can find us personally on Twitter. You can find the show page at joinnerdparty. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash thenerdparty. And uh, whatever happens in the future, whether we stay the course or we convert to all that is Star Trek, I'm excited moving forward because we're celebrating our one-year anniversary very soon.
0: Yeah, coming right up in the beginning of November. So it'll be here before we know it. Oh, my gosh. That happened really fast. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of things that are happening fairly fast, we've watched four episodes now of Star Trek Discovery. It feels like this premiered just yesterday.
1: Well, that kind of happens when you have a two-episode premiere, Uh, so that that definitely helps it out a little bit, but I know what you're saying. like, It was years, years of lead-up, years of build, and then boom, we're in the thick of it, and now it's going by really quick, really fast.
0: It is. I feel like that mid-season break is going to happen really fast. We're going to get nine episodes, we'll get the holiday break, and then come back to January for the rest. And... So I want to know, we haven't talked a whole lot about Discovery between the two of us. How are you feeling about the series thus far? Do you like it?
1: I like it, but I'm not on fire about it.
0: Okay, that's fair. Honesty's good.
1: I think with me, and this is also with my wife, we were hoping for something like they because they kept talking about it. like when they were talking about the writers in the writers' room, you know, like the series writers are based in Los Angeles. They're all fans of the show. Uh, they all love Star Trek, and of course, you know, this was you know propelled by Fuller, and then he left, and so Kurtzman took over, even though he's not the showrunner. And they wanted very much 2017 storytelling. They wanted modern yeah. day storytelling. So it's not strictly episodic. It's it's an overarching story, which is what we all assumed we were going to get. And so... Yeah, uh,
0: you can't do a whole lot else in 2017. It's all like this.
1: Unless you're doing a cop procedural, you know? Uh, Uh, Yeah, yeah. But this, yeah, this is what we want. And so they said that they were, or like sources were saying that they were throwing Game of Thrones style money at these episodes. And we started seeing behind the scenes stuff and the sets and we're like, oh wow, this does look expensive. And so because of that, I was expecting... You know, an opening episode that really just kind of wowed me, just blew me away. And where, like, when I was watched the first episode of Stranger Things or Westworld or, like, Breaking Bad or Mad Men, when I watched those first episodes, I was like, damn, that's a good show. Show me more.
0: Right. I'm in.
1: I'm in. And with this show, I was just kind of like, Huh. Okay, let's see what happens next week. You know, and I'm not telling everybody yeah. about it at the at the water cooler. I'm not talking about it with all my friends and family. It's really just people like you online who are diehard Star Trek fans. How about you?
0: Yeah, I do feel like the two-parter, especially with CBS putting one part on network TV and then telling everybody, if you want to watch part two, you've got to start with CBS All Access – I feel like that very first part did not do enough to lure in a general audience and say, hey, you don't want to miss this. Now, they know that we as the core fans, we're already signed up, we're going to watch the show. But if I were just an average fan, I'd be just, what was that? Yeah. I don't care. I'm flipping the channel. I'm going to the next thing. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. I've got to be honest. And the the two-parter in and of itself, the very end of uh, the second part did get me just like, Whoa, okay, she's stripped of rank, life sentence, prisoner. Wow, we're on for a ride, aren't we? And as we've progressed, though, with episodes three and four, the more we get into the story, the more that we learn about these characters, the more that we watch them interact, the more that we learn about this ship and what it can do, I get more and more intrigued. And I'm getting a little more invested, and I'm finding myself thinking, I'm starting to understand what the writers were saying leading up to it. Like, you guys are in for a ride. Just have patience and you will see what we were trying to do here. And so four episodes in, yes, I am definitely locked in. But it did take me a little while to get there. I mean, I approached this show with very cautious optimism as it was. And especially after the premiere, that only continued. Now I'm getting into it, though. And now I'm excited because it's getting more complex.
1: It's definitely getting more complex and I feel like I-, I enjoyed episode four. I was uh I was oddly one of the few. I-, I saw I saw a lot of people and a lot of diehard fans, like people who were very for Star Trek Discovery, like very much yeah. you know, like you know, like have like flying the banner, uh flying the flag of Star Trek Discovery, saying like, Oh, see, episode four seemed kinda like a dip down from the previous three. And I'm kinda like, I don't know, this is where it's starting to get interesting to me.
0: I'm with you on this. I didn't really understand the negative backlash. Um, I feel like it's only gotten stronger and it's getting much more interesting and complicated, especially with Ripper, the creature, and what's going on there.
1: I think the writing is getting better. The acting is getting better. The special effects are getting better. And the episode itself felt better structured. And this is going to sound weird, but this felt like a self-contained episode. (laughs)
0: yeah you know what's interesting I do love how this show has been written so far where yes you can watch an hour and feel like there's some sense of completion there is a beginning middle and end but it's a it's like a book it's like a chapter you want to keep going it's leading up to bigger and better things as it goes on especially this episode though like structurally I felt it was really good and yet I go on the internet this morning and people are saying this is the most poorly written episode to date and I'm like what
1: yeah, I was really confused.
0: So people are seeing things very differently than we are. And I find that fascinating. And I'm just wondering, from here on out, what are people seeing that we're not seeing and vice versa? And how is that going to come together? Or is it, are we going to be divided on this along with everything <sighs> else in the world? I mean, oh my gosh.
1: Well, I just feel like these writers and these producers, they are at such a disadvantage because everything's under a microscope. Oh, yeah. Everybody's looking at every single line, every single gesture, every single iconography, everything, and trying to match it up and judge it by what's come before. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with that. I'm just saying that it's not easy to just sit back and relax, turn your brain off and enjoy a story with Star Trek because we have 700 plus episodes that we've all memorized And we're trying to compare it. We're like, okay, well, you know, episode four happened. And, you know, this was a lot like, uh, you know, season three TNG episode four. And this was a lot like, and this little aspect was a lot like Voyager, uh, you know, like uh, season six, episode 13, you know, like we all know how to do that and we can do it by heart. And so I can't even imagine being in that writer's room and trying to pay homage to what's come before but also at the same time trying something new. What do you think about the writers focusing so much on a spore drive instead of warp drive?
0: I find the concept really interesting. And of course, we know somewhere down the line it's not going to work because the Enterprise in the original series and thereafter was not using this. And so what is the deal? And maybe what it has something wrong. to do with... Yeah, what goes wrong? What Maybe it has something to do with Ripper, just the way that the travel made him so weak and... Basically, I mean, they're using him, and so that's not cool, and so that brings out a lot of questions of ethics, and...
1: Like the Equinox?
0: Yeah, yeah, there was definitely signs of that going on, as well as with Spores, I always think Sporosisian, (laughs) a la the Caretaker, like, does that have some weird connection? I mean, we know Kirsten Beyer is a writer on the staff. She's a massive Voyager expert fan, so who knows? We might. We're going to find out eventually, just it's a matter of when. So that's intriguing, and uh, especially with this episode here, with the putting in some of the mixture of ethics, I'm thinking we have to remember this is an imperfect Starfleet. This is not yeah. the Starfleet even of James Kirk. This is definitely not the Starfleet of Picard's era. This is where people are still getting their you-know-what together. So if people are turned off by it being kind of like dark and imperfect and maybe even a little bit negative where people are conflicted, well, this makes sense, guys, based on where they made it take place. One thing I want to say, though, is as much as I am loving Discovery, this is not the show that I wanted or thought it would be, and yet I'm still finding myself pleasantly surprised. Does that make any sense?
1: Uh, that, that makes perfect sense. That's exactly how I feel. It's, is, you're exactly right. It's not what I wanted. It's not what I expected. But I'm along for the ride, and I enjoy those surprises when they come along. Am I 100% on board with the whole Spore Drive thing? No. No, I'm not. I It, it <laughs> feels outside of the world of Star Trek. Aesthetic-wise, organically, we're so used to isolinear chips and and pads and and everything like that. So to see them use something right. organic is very... Outside of the realm, which is not a criticism. It is not a criticism in the least. It's just, it takes me out of it a little bit because I'm so used to everything else. So speaking to your point more about how their crews kind of mean to each other. They're not always nice. They don't always get along and Lorca seems a little bit shifty. You know, like a lot of people have an issue with that. Even people within our own party, our nerd party, have issues with that, saying like, you know, this isn't like the Star Trek that I know. This isn't like the Starfleet that I know. What's going on? And the counter argument is what you talked about. It's like it's leading up to Kirk. It's going, you know, everybody is not weird. And then some some people say, well, Enterprise was more in in tune with Starfleet even even before Kirk's time. Here's what Aaron Herberts. Uh, one of the showrunners said, "We're trying to do stories that are complicated with characters with strong points of view and strong passions. People have to make mistakes. Mistakes are still going to be made in the future. We're still going to argue in the future. The thing we're taking from Roddenberry is how we solve those conflicts, which I very much appreciate. And here's something even that even rounded out even more. Executive producer Alex Kurtzman says the defining factor of Roddenberry's vision is the optimistic view of the future." Once you lose that, you lose the essence of what Star Trek is. That being said, Star Trek has always been a mirror to the time it reflected, and the topical question now is how do you preserve and protect what Starfleet is in the weight of a challenge like war and the things that have to be done in war? These are all fantastic points made by great Star Trek creators who get Star Trek and they're just pushing the envelope and moving things a little weird, and I know I've been talking for a long time, but one thing that we need to remind ourselves of is that of the shows we've seen, especially the original series and the next generation, these crews were the best of the best of the best. These crews, these two crews specifically on the and Enterprise, the Enterprise D, were the best that Starfleet had to offer. Specifically on Next Generation, the Enterprise D, they were on the Federation flagship. Every single person, especially the Bridge Coup, which made them the best of the best of the best, these were paragons of virtue. Right. These were people who upheld Starfleet and Federation ideals to the letter. These people knew who they were, what they wanted to do, and what was right and what was wrong. And a lot of people called The Next Generation very sanitized and boring. And that's why so many people who called TNG sanitized and boring love Deep Space Nine because <laughs> they showed conflicted, troubled, damaged people in wartime. Right. And, but we built up to that in Deep Space Nine. Season one, first episode was not a war. We got the war later on in 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, and in Discovery, instead of building up to that, we're jumping right into it.
0: Right. And I also think you can uphold the positive message of Roddenberry's vision, because I've heard so many people on the internet say, this is not attuned to Gene Roddenberry's vision. It is because these people are still working together. Is there conflict Absolutely. And I think you have to have conflict. It, it certainly does make for better storytelling, but especially with this era, like you're saying, we have not reached that utopia. We're building it. We're still working on it. We're not perfect. We're getting there. And so to do that, we need the conflict. We need to hash some things out, throw out the dirty laundry and let everybody smell how horrible it is. <laughs> And work out these differences, but the point is, is if in this story, overall, when all is said and done, when we've seen season one, has this crew worked together, and and are they working towards something better than what they have right now? If they do that, and they accomplish that, I'm happy. Yeah. Because there's always a grain of positivity in every episode, as it is. There's always a little bit of hope, which... That keeps me satisfied on that end. I don't know about you.
1: And already we're seeing fences being mended between Burnham and Stamets, which yeah. you never thought, like from episode three, you never thought that that would happen because holy <laughs> crap, was Stamets oh, a complete man. and utter jackass where, to the point where it was just like, I don't know if I'm going to like this guy. Like
0: He's a little abrasive. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to him, though, I think, that we're going to learn, just based off of the interaction that he had with the Doctor, played by Ricky Vasquez, I mean, Wilson Cruz. (laughs) I loved my so-called life, so I'm thrilled that he's the Doctor on Discovery, but (sighs) yeah, there's just so much going on. I I mean, Lorca, he is just, I think he is just crazy, destructive crazy in a really horrible way. We're going to learn some horrible secrets about him, I think. We're just going to keep going from bad to worse as far as that goes, I think. Is he that horrible? Maybe that's the question. You know, is he doing like the the right thing for the wrong reasons or or vice versa? Is he doing the wrong thing for the right reasons? Is he doing horrible things?
1: What has he done that's so wrong? Honestly, what has he done that's so wrong? Because I hear this all the time. I hear this all the time that people are saying the way that Lorca is written is that he's not very Starfleet, he's not very Star Trek, and he's a bad guy who's twirling his mustache. And I'm like, what has he done? that is so utterly horrible and outside of the realm of Star Trek and outside of the realm of Starfleet. Because all of the we've seen him be is abrasive and pushy. He hasn't broken any laws.
0: No, and I suppose the fact that he comes off kind of as a warmonger, too, does not help. I mean, he is in this war to win it. And he's going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. That makes him dangerous. But also there's little things, like the fact that uh, Saru, he doesn't take his counsel. Lorca doesn't true. consult with his first officer. Why? And I just get this feeling that the crew is walking on eggshells around him. They want to make him happy. Mm-hmm. They want to cater to his every whim just to appease him. What is really going on here? We do not know yet. I think there's a lot more layers we got to peel back. He just gives me that vibe that he's really up to no good.
1: I, I don't know. I don't... I don't know. I don't get the vibe that he's up to no good. I feel like he's much more of... I think he's just a different kind of captain. He's a captain that we haven't seen. Look at who we're used to. You know, we're used to Kirk. (laughs) Archer, Picard, Sisko, Janeway. These are all people... They they all have vastly different personalities. But every single captain defines what Starfleet is about. Mm -hmm. Because here's what happens is, is that with every new captain we find out a different section of starfleet or a different ideology that exists in starfleet because if you go like we're not this old but if you go from Kirk directly to Picard people would say oh Picard is a diplomat he's a you know he's a reader he's a he's a softy that's not what starfleet is about starfleet is the wagon trail to the to the stars starfleet is about conquering Your your enemy and exploring the unknown by any means necessary and kissing your green girl while you're at it.
0: I think a lot of people said that when Next Generation premiered, you know, the whole thing of who is better, Kirk or Picard. I mean, we've had this argument before many times over in the history of Star Trek, but just a lot of people have forgotten or they've not been around to experience it. But here we go again. We're doing it again. But I I really like what you said, though, that maybe this is just a different definition that we don't fully understand yet. Maybe there is something in Lorca that just, once it's revealed, then maybe I'll have that aha moment and think completely differently about him.
1: Because he did say he said he's like, how do we like? Yes, he he begrudgingly said he's like, yeah, I'm on a ship filled with explorers in wartime, but he also talked about getting back to peacetime and getting back to exploring. He's right. like, how do we do that? We win the war, and you can't <laughs> but half-ass <do> we? it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well that that's, you know, it's, it's true. He said, he's like, you can't fight a war and explore at the same time. And you can't explore and then fight the war. You have to fight the war, win the war, and then you can go explore. And so he feels like he's the only one who's in that mindset.
0: Well, maybe with the exception of Landry, who's now dead, so...
1: Spoiler alert on episode four there, folks.
0: <laughs> we've been spoiling a lot of things. If you've not been spoiled up to this point, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's tr- that was actually one of the worst pieces of writing since we've been on Discovery, is her death. It was meaningless, it was pointless, and it was written in there just to get a death in there because it was so moronic. No Starfleet officer would do that whatsoever. You'd think. And did you watch Lost...
0: You know, oh, you know what, John Mills, if you're listening, you're gonna be so happy. I started watching Lost. I'm only six episodes in.
1: okay, well, then I can't describe it to you then, but because <laughs> uh, there's 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 one death that was so obvious and so meaningless that you're sit you sit there and you're like, did the writers just want to get rid of her?" You know, during this episode, what's the deal? And that's exactly what I thought of while watching episode four. I was like, that Mm. was such a stupid ass death.
0: I was not blaming the writing at all. I was blaming the character. I'm just like, this is so freaking stupid. You call yourself a security officer. You deserve to die. This is dumb. I mean, just throw protocol out the window. And without a real plan, I felt in hand, she just tests the waters and it cost her her life. In a way, she kind of deserved it.
1: Oh, she very much deserved it because it was brought upon by her own stupidity. And yeah. even actually when the, the beast threw in the air, I before she even hit the ground, I said out loud, I hope she dies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of hoping she was going to be dead at that point, too, just because it just seemed so unprepared, so spontaneous, so short-sighted.
1: Now, we're only four episodes in. And it's so hard because we we as huge nerds and Star Trek fans want to compare, we want to contrast, and we <laughs> want to rank. We want to rank so bad. We love ranking in Star Trek and fandom. And even though we're only four episodes in, in terms of writing, how does this compare with the other shows?
0: Oh, man, I can't compare right now. I really can't. With only four episodes to judge it on without knowing the complete story can't go there i just i have a mental block can't do it can you
1: i think a little bit where it's hard to separate writing and acting i know that sounds silly but for me sometimes it's it's true because good acting makes it feel like good writing
0: oh that's true
1: where bad acting makes it feel like bad writing. And sometimes you can differentiate the two where you're like, oh, wow, this person's a really good actress or actor, but these lines are just crap. Or the reverse where you're like, man, that's a good line. They sold it horribly.
0: Right. And so- We saw the former a lot on Voyager where sometimes they would have a horrible script, but the acting would just be superb.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's, uh, and sometimes the reverse, you know? And, And with, I think- with Star Trek Discovery with the first two episodes I felt like the writing was okay and the acting was god awful but because it was Star Trek I was like okay let's let's move it forward and then with episode 3 once we actually got on Discovery I was like okay the writing is okay and the acting is better and then once we got to episode 4 I was like okay the acting is solid no missteps and the writing is great, except for that one moment <laughs> where, uh, uh, where Ripper kills the stupid ass security guard. And so in comparison, when you mix the acting and the writing together, I think it's better, like the, it's better, how do I, I don't, see, it's so hard to actually say that.
0: See, so why do it?
1: I don't. Know. I think it's because,
0: <laughs> I mean, like I know. you know that
1: I like Enterprise. You know that I like. Enterprise. Oh yeah, I do too. I love Enterprise. I I love all the Star Trek uh, shows, just in varying degrees. But the I think one of the worst things about Enterprise was the acting, and the cast. But we got some really great sci-fi stories out of it. And so so far, Discovery and Enterprise are neck and neck to me in terms of quality of content with acting and writing. But I feel like discovery may soon surpass season one of enterprise
0: okay fair enough i mean i think we've seen god-awful acting to start off star trek series before i'm i'm thinking particularly of next generation i'm sorry a lot of the acting was not good i think a lot of it honestly is just finding the footing the actors have to figure out who these characters are and then once they really understand they can embody these characters give us much better performances do a much better portrayal of the writing and and therefore everything kind of carries itself higher. First seasons, I think, are just so tough. And especially when you have things like prosthetics and people are speaking Klingon. I mean, (laughs) honestly, though, I give this crew a lot of credit. I think so far, just my opinion, they're knocking it out of the park. They're trying to come out so strong. They're pouring their hearts and souls into it. I love their enthusiasm. Anytime I see this cast at a convention or what have you, I've not been to a convention, but when I see the recap on Twitter, mm-hmm. I get jealous because I think, oh my gosh, what? how cool are they? They are so awesome, and I love them, even though I've barely seen them on the screen for a, a couple of hours. So I think with time, we could really, really, really love this show.
1: I think so, too. I feel like people aren't realizing that. that they, I, And I've made this argument where you need to get my attention right out of the gate. It's not... It's not the 80s anymore. It's not the 90s anymore. You got to get great storytelling right out of the gate. and
0: You do. That's the way it is. Or you're canceled.
1: Or you're canceled. And I think Discovery is on the verge of that. A I cancellation? Think... No, 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 no. Of great storytelling. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, okay. I was going to say, what are you talking about? No way.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's on the verge of great storytelling. It gave us something great in the first couple of episodes, as in visual storytelling And editing and production and music and makeup and cinematography all were great parts of storytelling. It's the acting and writing that was a little eh. And so that's where I was just like, okay, well, I'll stay with you. And it's getting better. And so I feel like a lot of people don't remember the days where, you know, season one is a trial area of what the show is going to be and what it's going to be like but that is not negating what I'm saying about being great right out of the gate.
0: Discovery
1: realizes that, and I am very looking forward to seeing what season one ends up being.
0: Yeah, and again, I feel nothing, honestly, but a little bit of sympathy for the writers having just the Mm -hmm. incredible task at hand. They have to deal with this for sure. They have to come right out of the gate with all of their stuff just explosively good, or else... And yet, mm-hmm. how do you reach that level just starting out? You know, it's like making magic. <laughs> so they, they've got a very difficult task. However, they have an incredible team that's put this show together, you know, behind the camera, in front of the camera, with the writing. I have faith. I still have faith. I'm optimistic. And the further along we go, the more optimistic I get thinking, I'm really into this show. I'm going to love this show with all of my heart.
1: I am not there yet, but I am right there with you in the realm of optimism.
0: Optimism, Captain!
1: Optimism, Captain! Okay, we have faith, faith of the heart, so...
0: God, you went there.
1: I know I had to. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening. As we talked about at the top of the show, please let us know about what you think about us going full time Star Trek. Go to the slash contact, select punch it from the drop down menu, fill out the form, and send us an email. You can also find us personally on Twitter. You can find me at the Insane Robin. You can find Char at O oh, the Profanity. You can find us at the show Twitter at join and on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash. The nerd party.
0: Yeah, we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts. That might influence our decision. But no matter what we decide to do, we will always punch it.
1: Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party. Who is, who's Herbert's? Who's this guy? I want to quote a guy.
0: Herbert, Herbert, Herbert.